Welcome to the first Commonweal podcast. Uh, we'll be doing these regularly. Uh, myself, Jonathan Shaffey, who's the campaigns officer at Commonweal, and our head of policy, Dr. Craig Dizel. And we'll be going through today uh, the most uh, pressing matter, as people have seen over recent days, and that's about the SNP shift on currency. Now, it's a shift at the level of rhetoric, but we also have seen the motion that will be going to the SNP conference. And in that motion, we see that it retains, for example, the six tests outlined by the Growth Commission and many other things, uh, which we are now going to look at into some detail uh, with myself and Craig. And uh, from there, we'll have a better view of just how realistic it is to say that the SNP have made a real shift uh, on the question of currency. So, Craig, uh, the third po- first podcast, Hello. Um, it's, it's good to have you here, um, and Craig uh, can be followed at The Common Green uh, on Twitter. Um, I'm going to start by, I guess, just getting your kind of general feeling or appraisal mm. of where we're at with the currency uh, proposal. Well, I suppose it's good to get a bit of uh, context on this. Um, last year, when the Growth Commission published um, their, their report, Common Wheel uh, came out of the gates with some substantial critique of the report as it stood at the time. Um, our paper, A Silver Chain, uh, was the, the, the main launchpad for that, in which we saw that these six tests by what, that Scotland would have to pass to um, launch its, a new currency after independence would be themselves more of a barrier than a target to meet. You often see this in politics. Uh, you saw it in Gordon Brown with the, with the euro. Uh, he put his five economic uh, tests more to stop the UK joining the euro rather than a target to meet them. You see it with Corbyn, with his tests uh, to, to, um, on, on Brexit to meet Theresa May's deal. You've even seen it last week with Jacob Rees-Mogg putting up three tests that they would need to see for the ERG to, to vote for May's deal. So, yeah, lists of tests, often more a barrier than a target. Now, we've been talking about currency for some time, as you've yeah. outlined there. And what's been evident to us um, has been a real thirst for Scotland to have full economic control, which would require um, having an independent currency. We've seen through the National Assemblies, for example, that the SNP put on, but also in the wider movement, uh, that this uh, drive for an independent currency is very much something that people feel is uh, strategically the right thing to do for the country. And of course that doesn't quite chime, or indeed it doesn't chime at all, with the uh, Growth Commission uh, as it was presented. Now it seems to me that on Friday just past, when the National had a front page about the SNP making a turn towards an independent currency, that some of this feeling had filtered through. Yeah, we were all quite excited when we saw that front page saying that the SNP were uh, shifting to adopt a Scottish currency and were planning to do it faster than the the original Growth Commission report. Um, a, a few of us in, in Commonweal uh, put out messages of, of support to that effect. Um, but after that, when the, uh, we, we saw what was actually in the conference motion um, that was going to be put to the SNP members, we, we saw that not much had actually changed. In particular, the six tests are still there. Um, what had changed was, in the original Growth Commission report, they said that when Scotland meets the tests, they would launch a new currency. Mm. Under the motion, 
what they said was they would set up a body between the Scottish Government and the Scottish Central Bank that would check to see if Scotland had met the six tests every year and there would be a decision on currency before the end of the first Parliament. But, as we'll see as we explore what the tests actually mean, if you haven't changed any of the other economic philosophies that were in the Growth Commission, then it's difficult to see how the actual timeline has changed. So... You know, the way I've been looking at this is that there's been a change in uh, rhetoric, a change in how the currency question is being presented by the SNP, by Derek Mackay, by Keith Brown. But at the level of policy, at the level of detail, when you look at the SNP motion, that doesn't translate through. So there's many things that we can talk about in that motion, but what we're going to do now is to focus on uh, what we think is uh, probably the key element when it comes to currency, which is the retention of these six tests, which were uh, out- outlined by the, the Growth uh, Commission. So I want to take uh, listeners through these tests. I think it's really important that there's a, a, a level of understanding about the, the importance of these and go through, them, go through them with you. So if I can start with the first one, uh, which is about fiscal sustainability... How do you approach that? Yeah, well, this one uh, is the one that says that Scotland should reduce its national deficit to below 3%. Now, this is the one that has got people saying that this is austerity. And the Growth Commission and and Keith Brown have been very keen to say that, no, it's not austerity. And they've adopted a very rigid uh, definition of austerity to try and justify that, their definition of austerity is that there will be no real terms cuts in government budgets. But they've also simultaneously said that the public sector should shrink as a proportion of the GDP of Scotland. It should grow less fast than the GDP of Scotland. So if the public sector is not growing to meet the demand of Scotland, then it's not. then that's still austerity to my mind. It doesn't matter if you're cutting the budget of a school so that it can't fund the the number of pupils that are in it or whether you're just not growing that school's budget fast enough to to cope with an increase in the number of pupils. That's still austerity. That's still a budget squeeze. And bearing in mind, given that these tests would be used as guidelines, at this point, we wouldn't have an independent currency. So we'd be further constrained constrained by that. Um, And then the next one is on central bank credibility. Um, And your comment on that? Yeah, so this this rule says that Scotland shouldn't have a central bank, shouldn't have a currency, sorry, until its central bank has built up the credibility to manage a currency. But the problem is here, under sterlingisation, Scotland wouldn't have a full central bank. What the Growth Commission is calling a central bank is, in technical terms, a more limited institution called a monetary institute. It would be able to demonstrate credibility in the powers that it has, but not in the powers that it doesn't have that a central bank would have. So it wouldn't be able to pass this test. And we know this because this is actually one of the rules for joining the EU. You have to be able to show that your central bank is a credible institution. And countries that don't have their own currency, like Montenegro, have a more limited monetary institute rather than a full central bank, are finding it very difficult to meet that test to get into the EU. So there's a further obstacle there which uh, we, we can talk about, and we'll talk about in future episodes as well, about the impact this policy has on, on EU membership. But moving on to the thirds of the six tests, um, financial requirements. 
Yeah, so this test is saying that the new currency must meet the financial interests of Scottish households and businesses. Now, this is a very subjective test. I mean, how do you know if it does or it doesn't? How do you know if you've passed or you've failed? Quite frankly, it is in the the interests of households and businesses to use the currency that is the legal currency of the country they reside in. So either the Scottish government mandates that the new currency is legal tender or it doesn't, in which case it's very difficult to see how this one is either passed or failed. So there's uh, debiety, it's open to all kinds of uh, manoeuvring, all kinds of shifting of the goalposts, I think, yeah. uh, and, and how that might progress. The fourth is moving on to sufficiency of foreign reserves. Now, this one is one that Commonwealth has done a lot of work on. We produced a plan for creating a, a foreign reserve for Scotland for launching a, a currency on day one of independence um, that would be of a sufficient size to uh, stabilise and protect that currency. It's much more difficult to build this reserve once you're already independent because you can build up a lot of this stuff at the point of independence when you're doing the debt and asset negotiations and other disentangling from the United Kingdom. There is a problem that the amount of foreign reserves that you need as a sterlingized country may differ significantly from the reserves that you need from a country with its own currency. So you could get get yourself easily into the position where you're an independent country, you, you are sterlingized, you're ticking along nicely for a few years, but the amount of reserves you need to launch your own currency is several billion pounds more than what you currently have, in which case the Scottish government now needs to find that money. And where does it come from? Does it start running very significant budget surpluses or pulling that money out of the economy? It's much harder to build these reserves once you're already a country than at the point of becoming one. And uh, I think that was really well explained there because these are very technical issues. They're not things which are easy to digest. And one of the things that we are trying to, to do is to make sure that this information gets out to as many people as possible. And with that, moving on to the fitness to trade and investment, this is the fifth of the of the six tests. Yes, so this is one where if you are sterilised, then the Bank of England is making decisions over interest rates and other monetary policy, it is making them primarily for the City of London. And it's, that's especially the case under sterlingisation because the Bank of England would no longer have the requirement to even consider Scotland in its decisions. So this means that major parts of Scotland's economic toolkit are being decided for another country, for somewhere else. The inevitable result of that is that our economy tends to gravitate towards the economy that suits that other place. So it becomes harder to decouple Scotland from uh, from from that gravitational force, even harder than it is now. And the longer uh, that it takes to even try to meet these tests, the harder it will be to shift away from it. Absolutely. Um, and the last is one that, I mean, I find all of these concerning, and I see all of these as, as barriers uh, rather than enablers of, a, of an independent currency. But, but this last one, correlation to economic cycles, seems to me to be particularly misadvised. Yeah, that's a fancy way of saying that your uh, economic booms and your recessions happen at the same time or do they happen at different times. Um, the, the, the idea is that Scotland wouldn't be able to launch its currency until that divergence starts to take place. But 
again, if the Bank of England is making interest rates for the UK, if the UK is overheating and the Bank of England decides to raise interest rates to cool that economy down, then that will have the impact of, regi- of contracting Scotland's economy. Conversely, if the Bank of England it raises, it reduces interest rates to try and stimulate the, the UK economy, then that will heat up Scotland's economy. The act of not having your currency will cause your economic cycles to converge rather than diverge. This so, test can't be passed. So when you take all of these tests as a package and uh, use them as a framework or as the the motion uh, lays out as, as guidance uh, for implementing and bringing about a Scottish currency, I mean, I just can't see any way in which this would be able to be realised. I mean, taken as a package, do you see there being any possibility of them being met? It makes it very difficult, and perhaps this is why the Growth Commission deliberately didn't lay out a timeline to a mm. Scottish currency. It, it, on the face of it, if it looks like these six tests act to converge Scotland's economy rather than diverge it from the UK, then forming a currency later rather than at the day, day one of independence, forming it later might as well be never. So... Given the, the present situation then, where we have seen something of a shift, at least in terms of how, as I said in the beginning, the SNP leadership is presenting itself over the question of currency, I do have a further question, which is that what would be argued in the referendum on the basis of this uh, motion? Because it seems to me that uh, there wouldn't be, I don't think there would be particular clarity over the direction in which currency is going, it would seem to me that rather than getting a mandate from the referendum for an independent currency, that would instead go through to politicians in Holyrood who would then make a decision after um, after any yes vote. Does that chime with your thinking? It also opens up to that endless uncertainty of when are you launching a currency? When are you launching a currency? Is it now? Is it next year? Is it five years? It, it would give everyone much more certainty if you had a strict timetable or if you just said right we are independent and we are launching our own currency and we are taking control of all of the powers and i think that that message of taking control is really important i mean why do we want independence you know we want independence in order that we can make our economy work better that we can transform how uh, how the economy works and not having control of our monetary policy is such a rod up our back. In fact, it's probably worse than that. It would limit severely the powers that we could deploy over our economy. And I'm struck by uh, an interview that Keith Brown had on Friday where he essentially said the same thing when he was interviewed on uh, the, the Nine on, on BBC Scotland and he was asked uh, a, a question about the, 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 the name and the design of the, the, the Scottish currency banknotes, which is a... A good, good discussion to have, but um, he said that's not the most important thing. That's not the most important thing about this. The most important thing is we can't have a central bank elsewhere determining interest rates, determining austerity policies. We have to have that control for ourselves. And, and actually, I mean, I watched that, that interview as well, and Keith Brown's answer there, I mean, I couldn't disagree with a word of it. Yeah. Um, I think what he said was absolutely... Uh, on the money, and uh, if you'll excuse the pun, but it was, and it was um, outlining, I think, in a very articulate and simple way, in a concise way, but why we need control. And yet, 
that doesn't translate to the actual policy. So given that mismatch, what do you think the next steps are in this debate? Well, if we keep going down this path, then we look at what Andrew Wilson has, has called the, the soft independence model, where we, the, the independent Scotland does stay tied to the UK, does end up taking a lot of its rules from the UK, like financial regulations. One of the other recommendations in the Growth Commission is to copy and then shadow the UK's financial regulations, which to me is a massive lost opportunity to reform that industry that is badly needing reformed. Um, and it does beg the question, how do you sell that in the doorsteps? If you're going around telling people, well, it's a soft independence where nothing much changes, well, what's the point? What's the point? And also, surely you're giving your opposition an easy hand. Because simply, they turn around and say, look, even the independence advocates uh, are suggesting that it's safer uh, to have as little independence as possible in, the, in that kind of context. So, so I'm not sure what that does, uh, not sure that that helps uh, our side at all. Just looking forward then, um, we've got the SNP conference uh, coming up. I mean, if that motion passes, as is currently um, uh, articulated, if that passes, um, how do you think that impacts the direction of the independence movement? Because it seems to me that at that point, we're arguing for independence in name only, really. That'd be one way of putting it. Um, It certainly would limit the amount of policies that an independent Scotland could implement. Um, which is why Commonweal has tried to advocate for what we've called the future neutral approach to independence that says that all political parties post-independence should be able to fight on the manifesto of their choosing without being trammelled into uh, things like having to pass tests to get policies through. Um, But we are still at the point where this is in the hands of the SNP members. They will have the the opportunity to, to amend or... Uh, amend the motion or reject it outright or other options that may come up. So, you know, moving into, I guess, a more positive direction, we would certainly see that the uh, fight for an independent currency is is far from over, that there's been this kind of welcome shift in how it's been presented, but we have to come up with some uh, formulation that rejects these six tests, at the very minimum, rejects yeah. these six tests as part of the motion? Yeah, at the absolute minimum, the six tests need to go. Even if you if you think that we do need to sterilise for a while and then launch our currency later, then it can't be pinned down to these tests. I would still say that I think that the best approach is for Scotland to launch a currency on day one of independence or as absolutely as soon as possible thereafter. So that is probably the next step in the, 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 the level of decision making but there are other issues with the Growth Commission sure. if, if we do get the, the common wheel approach inserted on, on the currency there are still other things in the Growth Commission that are not popular amongst just about any independence advocate I've ever spoken to and I've spoken to quite a number of branches of the length and breadth of the country things like the copying of the financial regulations also things like the annual solidarity payment, which was a sum of around £5 billion a year, which would be paid from an independent Scotland to the UK to pay for a few things like pay for interest on uh, Scotland's nominal share of UK's debt, despite the fact that the Growth Commission accepted that Scotland wouldn't have any responsibility for that debt. It would be the UK's. There would be a payment for shared 
civil service infrastructure. Rather than setting up our own government departments, we'd just buy in those services from Whitehall or other places. And there was a, a sum which was the equivalent of Scotland's share of the UK foreign aid. Again, rather than setting up a foreign aid department in independent Scotland, that money would just be given to the UK mm. to spend as part of its foreign aid budget. This is... This is what happens when you try to rush the setup of your country. When you try to ram it through in a few months, you end up having to share or buy in departments uh, and governance because you haven't set because you haven't set them up yet. Which is why Common Rules approach is to take a little bit of time, get those departments running, and then become an independent nation that can make those choices. We can. Mm-hmm. I can definitely see a role for Scotland cooperating with the rest of the UK on things like foreign aid or departments in the civil services cooperating with each other, sharing data, sharing policies, whatever. But that has to be on the basis of two equal and sovereign governments cooperating with each other rather than Scotland taking the soft independence approach, which is buying in services from the rest of the UK. And, of course, we're coming up to a time where really the mandate that was won in 2016 should be... Uh, prepared at least uh, to be deployed, whether or not it is is, is a debate that, that we can have but we should at least be in the position that if uh, it was felt tactically correct, that it should be able to be deployed and we've been saying for some time, given that given that we know the situation with Brexit and other, and other factors that actually the question of currency should have been bedding in in the public mind over the last couple of years and not something which is just now uh, coming into the to the public arena. Well, we've been advocating since the um, since shortly after the last referendum that we should have started preparing a lot of this. We can't spend too much time sort of reminiscing over in hindsight over lost time, but we certainly can't waste much more of it. So, with that in mind, then let's let's move on to what we are going to do uh, about this situation. You've already outlined that the. Commonweal has produced policy uh, on these questions. Um, those policies we'll link to all our social media and sign up to our mailing list if you want to keep in touch uh, with our policy development. Uh, but we do have an alternative. We do have uh, a body of work that's been produced uh, around this question. Yeah, we've, we've produced several policy papers on this and it formed the backbone of our book, How to Start a New Country, which takes you from referendum day to the point of independence and shows you exactly what you need to build in terms of government departments, institutions, civil service areas in order to have that that country that is ready on day one. And that includes currency, but it also includes your, your, your foreign aid departments, your uh, customs and borders and everything else. So I highly encourage people to um, have a look for that book as well. And now... Given the proximity of the SNP conference, we are going to go into campaign mode um, around these issues. Uh, We've already had some excellent coverage in the Financial Times, The Guardian uh, and elsewhere. Robin McAlpine has written a very important article on Bella Caledonia, which which people should check out. Um, So going forward over the next couple of weeks and uh, indeed leading up to the SNP conference next month, what do you see as the priorities? I know that this is a very complicated issue and a very complex issue and it takes a lot of explanation to 
to to get people to understand exactly what is in uh, these motions and the implications of them but we want to try and make that as easy as possible for people to understand so there will be more videos and more infographics and, and, and leaflets and articles that will try and break this down as best we can what we certainly don't want to see is more of the the kind of flashy rhetoric that gives you the impression that things have changed when really they have not Absolutely. And, you know, just to build on that, the the nature of this campaign will be to get as much information out there as possible. And that will be done through a series series of mediums. We're going to have a social media campaign, which will have uh, infographics and videos, as Craig has outlined. We're going to have a campaign on the ground, which will involve leaflets and paper materials, which can be distributed at events, meetings and so on. And we're also going to bring together as broader coalition as we can to say that these six tests in particular must be rejected um, at the conference. So we've got a very busy uh, time ahead and we're looking forward to the debate. I think at Commonweal we've always tried to engage in this debate in the most constructive way possible. That's why we've not just been carping from the sidelines but actually putting forward and putting the work in to developing our own policy proposals that can go along alongside uh, alongside the debate. We are run on a shoestring, despite all of this work. So if you support what we are saying, if you support our methods of bringing about an independent currency, do go to our website and donate or become a subscriber. We're going to continue this podcast throughout the whole of the debate. We'll be having a podcast at least uh, once a week, but we'll also be looking to respond to things as and when we need to as well. And if anyone out there would like us to spend some time in our podcast explaining policy issues that they maybe feel are technical or need broken down or are in the news and they just want to hear more about, send us in your suggestions. So, we've got a campaign, we've got a debate, we have the policy and the organisation to make this as constructive as possible, and at the same time we're also very clear that this is a crucial question, not just for SNP members, but for anyone concerned with an independent Scotland having full control over its economic and monetary policy. Well, with that, uh, we hope you've enjoyed the podcast. Please do ensure that you share it to your contacts, to your networks and on social media. Uh, Engage us in a debate. If you agree with us, we'd love to hear from you and to get your support uh, for this uh, campaign. Uh, And if you disagree, then get in touch as well, because we do want to have this debate with as many people as we can. We believe that a a mature uh, movement for independence can have these debates at the same time as uh, bringing about a level of unity when advocating independence. But this is a really crucial matter, and it's crucial for the long-term interests of that movement that we get this right.